This morning, I want to share a message uh, in regards to our country. I was praying uh, this week, and you know, it's not too many times that 4th of July falls on the Sunday, and there's so many things that are going on uh, in our country. So we're going to pause uh, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. We were supposed to start 2nd uh, Thessalonians uh, this morning, but we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 22. So Isaiah chapter 22, the, looking at the state of our country spiritually this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you so much for our country. You've been so gracious to us. We, we thank you for the freedoms that we enjoy. Thank you that we can be here in this sanctuary to worship you this morning. But we also see where our country has rejected you, has not wanted you in government and in our schools and the marketplace and business. And Lord, we do pray for a spiritual revival that would take place in, in our country. So would you give us ears to hear and hearts to understand this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. I'm very thankful for our country. Are you thankful for our country? It's a wonderful place to, to live. I'm also thankful for those that have sacrificed and are currently sacrificing for our country. One of the real joys of my life uh, was meeting Donald Stratton. And we're gonna throw up a picture of, of Donald Stratton. Donald attended RMC, and I knew Donald for years. And I was home after a Saturday night, and I was watching Nova. And I was like, I know that guy. He goes to our church. And he had never shared his story with me that he was a survivor of the USS uh, Arizona. And his passing, he passed away and went home to be with the Lord at 97 years old in 2020, March of uh, 2020. We had his memorial service here uh, in the sanctuary. And when he passed, he was one of the last few survivors of the USS uh, Arizona. What's amazing about Don's life is two-thirds of his body was burned that day as he was on the USS Arizona. Went through horrific things for the next few months trying to recover. But you know what he did when he got healthy? He re-enlisted. And he had to go back to boot camp and then served a, another tour over in the South uh, Pacific. That was the sacrifice that he made for our country. He saw that our country was worthwhile to not only enlist for the first time, but enlist for the second time after being so badly burned. I'm also thankful for our police officers currently in our community that are serving our city. Could you imagine what our city would be like to, to live in if it wasn't for our police officers? We had the shooting in Boulder this year and Eric Talley went to work like he did so many other days, but he did not come home to his seven children. He was killed there in the grocery stores. He went in to protect people's lives. 51 years old, seven kids, a man of faith, a man of integrity, a man who loved his family and loved his uh, community. When he was 41 years old, he decided to be a police officer. He was in the tech field and he left that field to be a police officer because he felt a calling uh, to protect his uh, community. So, so many have sacrificed and are sacrificing for our country and I'm extremely grateful. 
but I'm also burdened for our country. I'm burdened for our country because we have made it very clear to God that we don't want him involved in our government. We don't want him involved in our schools. We, we don't want him involved in, in business, trying to push him out of every sector of our lives. I'm currently reading through Isaiah in my devotions. I read Isaiah 22 this week. And what I saw God speak to the children of Judah has a lot of parallels to where our country is spiritually. Where Judah's at, I think, is where we're at as well. So let's look in Isaiah 22, verse 1. The burden against the valley of vision. Jerusalem was referred to as the valley of vision. If you get a chance to look at a topographical map of Jerusalem, you had the Temple Mount, and it is on a mountain, and you have valleys coming off of the Temple Mount. And God's intent for Jerusalem was that it would be a place of vision, a place that you could go to meet with God, to get a greater understanding of who God is, and also his purposes for your life. God would gather the children of Israel to the temple several times a year for the feasts. But here God says he has a burden against the valley of vision. It's no longer what God intended for it to be. We have, as a country, been given tremendous amount of influence. It's amazing how so many other countries look to the United States for leadership, and there were times in our history that we used that position to glorify God. We, we use that, that position to influence people for the good, but, but largely now our influence is not that way. We're actually influencing more for darkness than we are for light. And I believe that God would have a burden against us as a country as a value of vision. God has raised us up and given us an opportunity, but unfortunately we haven't fulfilled that to glorify the Lord. Goes on and says, what ails you now that you have all gone up to the housetops? Hasn't that been the question to our country the last year and a half? What ails you, America? Why have you all gone up to your housetops? Continuing on says, you who are full of noise, a tumultuous city, a joyous city. The word tumultuous means boisterous. You were once a, a city that was full of life, full of boisterous activity, a joyous city. Many of you know I'm from the Northwest and I'm pretty proud of it. It is the promised land, if you haven't been out there before. Had a friend in town from the Northwest uh, this week, him and his wife, we went to school of ministry together and he was sharing with me all of the things that are taking place in Oregon and Washington and it just broke my heart. The condition of Portland, the condition of Seattle, the, the chaos that is happening in those cities. Nobody's visiting Portland. No one's visiting Seattle. <laughs> and those once were joyous cities. My parents grew up just outside of Portland, Oregon. It's where both of my grandparents are from, just on the Washington side, closer to uh, Van Vancouver. And I love the, those cities. And to see the destruction that's taken place in those cities is heartbreaking. And that's the case in several cities throughout the country. We've seen that even some here in Colorado Springs the last couple of years. And it's one thing to see these things on the news. And it's another thing to be there in person 
when those things happen. In verse, continuing in verse two, you slain men and are not slain with the sword nor dead in battle. The opposition wasn't from outside of Judah, outside of Jerusalem, it was from within. And that's the case for us as a country. Right now, we're our own worst enemy. Jesus said that a house divided against itself cannot stand. So it's not that we're having invaders come into our land, but we're self-destructing internally, and that was the case for Judah. All your rulers have fled together. They have captured by the archers. All who are found in you are bound together. They have fled from afar. Part of the problem for Judah was the lack of leadership. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write down four things this morning, and the first is this, is pray for God to raise up godly leaders. Pray for God to raise up godly leaders. Here, the leaders of Judah have fled. Turn with me over just a few pages to Isaiah 28, verse 7. Isaiah 28, verse 7. It's worth reading and studying both chapters in detail. Isaiah 28 goes into God's judgment against Judah as well. And he specifically points out the priests and the prophets. So this is Isaiah 28, verse 7. But they also have erred through wine and through intoxicating drink are out of the way. The priests and the prophets have erred through intoxicating drink. They are swallowed up by wine. They are out of the way through intoxicating drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. So the priests and the prophets had been raised up by the Lord to lead God's people, but instead they were drunk. So they're erring in vision and they're erring in judgment. Throughout the prophets... Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, the minor prophets, God calls out the shepherds. He calls out the priests. He calls out the prophets. He calls out the spiritual leaders. Where we need godly leaders is inside of the churches of America. One of the greatest tragedies that's happening is what's being taught from pulpits inside of our country. Pastors are saying, hey, God is is for this when it's clearly that God is against this. Churches are becoming a place where the name of Jesus is not being proclaimed, where the the gospel is not being proclaimed. So we need to pray for that. We need to pray that God would raise up godly leaders. We really appreciate your prayers for us as a pastoral team here at at RMC, and we're praying for, for you as well. We need godly leaders inside of the home We did not get to this place where we are as a country just like that. It's been a digression. It's been a process. We look at the state of the home, and the home has been collapsing for some time. We need to be praying that God raises up godly leadership inside of the homes. Dads, I want to encourage you on this this 4th of July. You've been given such a strategic position in your family. You may be a single dad and you may have a difficult time being in relationship with your kids, but fight to be in relationship with your kids. Don't just give over custody to mom. 
and say, well, it's easier for them to, to be with mom. No, you fight for the right to be in your child's life. They need a dad. They need that spiritual leader. Moms, you are so important in the life of, of your kids. And I know it, it's difficult, but so much of our society and even more so our faith is passed through parents. So we need to be praying for that godly leadership inside of the homes, godly leadership in, inside of, of marriages. We need godly leadership inside of our, our community. I'm so thankful for those of you that are leading in our community. I know a couple of superintendents of schools. What a difficult time to be superintendent of, of a school. Both are, are godly leaders that are having huge impact where they're leading. I also know a, a man of faith who's committed to the Lord that serves on the board of District 11. Came on right before COVID hit. I'm so thankful that he is, is serving on the board of, of District 11. I know many doctors and nurses. What a crazy time to be a doctor, to be a nurse. School teachers, a tough year as school teachers. Police officers, all of these different sectors of our community have the privilege of knowing a lot of godly leaders and it's happening. We do have godly leaders. So as you know someone who is serving in leadership in a godly fashion, pray for them and encourage them and also pray for more godly leaders. I wanna be honest and pretty frank this morning. I think we are blessed to have Mayor Southers through all of this with, with COVID. Mayor Southers is a man of faith. He has a morality. And very early on with COVID, he got together with pastors in our city through a Zoom call and communicated his heart for churches and his heart for churches to be able to gather in person. That was not the case throughout Colorado. If we lived in Boulder County, we would have had a different experience. We were blessed to live in El Paso County because we have some God-fearing leaders, right? One of the things that I hope that we've realized through all of this is leadership is important. And one of the things that makes our country great is we have the opportunity to choose our leaders. <laughs> We have the opportunity to be able to, to vote and people have died so that we would be able to have that freedom and, and who we choose as a country to be able to elect really impacts our land. What would happen if the church prayed? What would happen to our country if we prayed? Our lack of prayer reveals what we really believe about the power of prayer. If I believe that prayer is powerful, if I believe that I've got an appointment with the holy God who's the creator of the universe, who reigns over all, who really can bring change, then that's gonna be revealed in how much time that I'm spending in prayer. I wanna read you 1 Timothy 2. Therefore, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth.
One of the ways that God may raise up some godly leaders is to save some ungodly leaders. He wants us praying for leaders that don't know the Lord. He wants us praying for President Biden. He wants us praying for Governor Polis. And very clearly here, the gospel's mentioned, the power of Jesus to be able to, to transform lives. So let's commit to that, to, to pray for godly leadership through all the different sectors of life. In verse four, therefore I said, look away from me, I weep bitterly. Do not labor to comfort me because of the plunder of the daughter of my people. For it is a day of trouble and treading down and perplexity by the Lord of hosts in the valley of vision, breaking down walls and of crying to the mountain. This is exactly what would take place when the Babylonians would come in and take Judah captive. The walls would be broken down. And Isaiah the prophet says that he's weeping bitterly to the point where he wants people to look away from him. Second thing to write down is mourn over wickedness. Isaiah the prophet, he, he mourns over wickedness. One of the things that I hate the most is crying in front of people. I even hate crying in front of my family. It's the worst. It's like, oh, dad's not crying. I just had some onions. You know, my, my eyes are sweating a little bit. You just want people to look away from you when, when you're really crying and, you're, and when you're really losing it. But Isaiah allowed himself to be impacted by the wickedness that was taking place in Judah. And he specifically mentions here the plundering of the daughter of my people. He thinks about the kids. He thinks about the young women, the young, the young girls, and them being plundered. And it causes him to, to mourn and be broken before the Lord. God really uses this in the life of his people when we mourn over wickedness. Nehemiah and Daniel mourned over the sin of Israel to the point where they included themselves. We have sinned against you, though we have every indication that they were living for God. It's easy for us to get calloused by wickedness in our culture. We feel helpless, we feel overwhelmed, and before long we just get used to the sin around us. It doesn't bother us anymore. Surprisingly, God calls Lot righteous. Lot, who lived in Sodom and Gomorrah that was destroyed by the Lord. And the reason why that Lot was considered righteous is 2 Peter 2.7, it says, and delivered righteous Lot who was oppressed by filthy conduct of the wicked. God calls Lot righteous because he was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. As he was living in Sodom and Gomorrah, he never got to the place where he was comfortable with the sin around him. We have a father-son camping trip coming up uh, here in a couple weeks in, in July. Dads, you can still sign up, you and your sons, but I would go on father-son camping trips with my dad and men from our, our church, and growing up in Southern Oregon, we would catch frogs. Well, when you're camping with a bunch of dudes, you're gonna eat these frogs. So it was time to boil the frogs and, and eat them up, and the frogs would, would jump right out of your kettle. And one of these old guys says, you gotta heat them up slow. 
Got to just turn up the, the heat just a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. Before you know it, the frog doesn't even realize the heat's getting turned up. They die and you eat them. And it's Southern Oregon. It's a different culture, right? <laughs> but that's what Satan in our flesh is doing, is just heating it up. Compromise, more and more wickedness, more and more wickedness to where we're the stinking frogs in the kettle, right? And before you know it, we, we could be in a really dark place spiritually. Think about what our kids and grandkids are exposed to in the area of wickedness compared to what we were. And it has definitely got a whole lot worse. I'm gonna share some, some difficult things with you for a moment uh, this morning. This is an article that comes from the Heritage Foundation. It says, the popular children's cartoon, Blue's Clues, aired an episode featuring a song that celebrates the LGBT identities, sung by a cartoon drag queen. The song praises families with gay, lesbian, transgender, and non-binary members, concluding that ace, bi, and pan grown-ups you see can love each other so proudly. The song following the melody of the ants go marching further pushes the LGBT awareness by giving one of the beavers in the cartoon scars from a double mastectomy surgery. The show is intended for preschoolers, children that are just learning their colors and numbers. Even Lego introduced its rainbow set called Everyone is Awesome just ahead of Pride Month. The set was released in honor of children, the largest demographic of Lego customers. The creator of the set claimed, saying children are our role models and they welcome everyone no matter their background. A school in Washington State also exp exposed first graders to sexual conduct by reading the book I Am Jazz, which promotes transgenderism. In California, third graders had to complete an assignment that referenced experimental with gender presentation. Experimenting with gender presentation. That's an assignment that's given to third graders. By directly targeting children, corporations, media, and schools are seeking to normalize sexual conduct that is inappropriate and confusing for young audiences. In many instances, the content could be considered pornographic material, and some have described the process of normalizing as the first step in grooming children for sexual acts. If this doesn't cause us to mourn, then what will? There is a clear agenda for the hearts and minds of young kids. We're talking four-year-olds and five-year-olds to give them a message that's completely contrary to what God teaches us about sexuality. What we're seeing in the last six months is our government has opened up the Pandora's box with sexual sin and is promoting it. And now we have schools, businesses getting on board like no rate that we've seen before. Since when does the NFL have to have a stance on sexuality? That's football. But this week, the NFL has come out with a very public campaign how they're for all every types of sexual perversity. So for us, it's difficult and it's heartbreaking 
to sometimes get our head out of the trench and look around and go, wait a second, what's happening? But the biblical response is to mourn. The biblical response is to weep. Say, God, what in the world is happening? And Lord, please, would you move? And would you move in the hearts of young people? And would they know that Christ is their savior and know God's design and purposes for their life? Verse six, Elam bore the quiver, Elam bore the quiver with chariots of men and horsemen and Kerr uncovered the shield. It shall come to pass that your choicest valleys shall be full of chariots and the horsemen shall set themselves in array at the gate. God is prophesying and warning that the Babylonians are gonna come and take Judah captive. In verse eight, he removed the protection of Judah. God is very patient as you read through the Old Testament, generation after generation of Israelites turning away from the Lord and turning into idolatry to where then God finally removes his protection from Judah. I can't tell you if God has removed his protection from the United States of America. I don't know that. But it is the question to be asking. Has God removed his protection from our country? I think you can look back on our history and go, man, God has had his protective hand upon us. And is it possible that the Lord has removed his, his protection from us? You looked in that day to the armor of the house of the forest. You also saw the damage to the city of David, that it was great. And you gathered together the waters of the lower pool. You numbered the houses of Jerusalem and the houses you broke down to fortify the wall. They know they're in trouble. And so they start to do things, logical things to try to protect themselves. Break down their houses to build up the wall. Try to secure water as the enemy is coming against them. In verse 11, you also made a reservoir between the two walls for the water of the old pool, but you did not look to its maker, nor did you have respect for him who fashioned it long ago. Number three is we need to look to our maker and sustainer. Look to our maker and sustainer. This is where I believe we're at as a country. I think we know we're in trouble. We know it. I think that our government leaders know that we're in trouble. You don't have to be a genius to figure out we're in trouble. Just look at our national debt. It is not sustainable, right? So what are we doing because we know we're in trouble? Well, we're building up walls. We're making sure water's secured. We're looking at the resources that we have and how we can take those resources for continued survival. But this is what we're not doing. We're not humbling ourselves and looking to the one who has created those resources. And that's God's indictment against Judah. You knew you were in trouble, but you did not look to the maker of this water. You didn't look to the author. You didn't look to the sustainer. And this can be easy for us to do in our own lives. It's a difficult time. It's a difficult situation. We know we're, we're in trouble. And so we're just going to have to rely on our own resources, our own wisdom and our own logic to try to make things work. And we don't pause and go, wait a second. I got to look to the one who gave me these resources in the first place. I'm looking to my maker. I'm looking to my sustainer. Wouldn't it be an amazing thing 
If there was a movement in our country where our country said, you know what, we've, we've got to get one thing right first and we've got to look to the Lord. God is the one who has given us all of this and we're looking to him. He's our author, he's our sustainer. Nehemiah also mentions, nor did you have respect for him who fashioned it long ago. As a culture, as a society, we've lost the fear of God. We've lost the the awe of God and and respect for for God. And that was the case in Judah as well. And then that day, the God of hosts called for weeping and for mourning, for baldness and for girding with, with sackcloth. Some of you that are bald, maybe you did that in obedience to the Lord, (laughs) These are all signs of mourning, weeping, mourning, shaving your head, girding with sackcloth. The response to the wickedness is one of mourning. It's one of repentance. It's one of, of getting right with the Lord. But here was Judah's response. But instead... Joy and gladness, slaying oxen and killing sheep, eating meat and drinking wine. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Judah did not get it. Judah was not listening to God's word being spoken through the prophets. And they continued on like there was no problem. And there would never be judgment that would come from the Babylonians and just adopted a real flippant attitude. Well, let's just keep partying. Let's just keep eating and drinking for tomorrow we die. Does it sound familiar? Right? We're just going to keep, keep partying because you've only got one life to live. Then it was revealed in my hearing by the Lord of hosts, surely for this iniquity there will be no atonement for you even to your death, says the God of hosts. God speaking, okay, my judgment is now coming. I'm not turning back from my, my judgment. In Judah, you're going to be taken captive by the Babylonians. Fourth thing to consider is sin must be atoned or judged. Sin must be atoned or judged. Sin can be atoned and is atoned through the blood of Jesus, amen? We contribute to this wickedness. We have our our own sin and thankfully Jesus died for our sin and he rose again. And this morning we can have confidence as believers for those that know Christ as our Savior that we're forgiven, that we're God's people, we're sons and daughters, we, we have everlasting life. But for those that have rejected Christ and choose to reject Christ through their whole life, this morning if you're saying, man, Jesus isn't for me, I don't trust him, I don't believe in him, I don't believe he exists, there'll be a point where you stand before God and it'll be too late. And at that point, sin's gonna be judged. I don't know when, but at some point, if God's consistent with his character, he judges wicked nations. He does it throughout scripture. He's done it throughout history where a people group get to a certain point where God says, okay, that's enough. And he brings his corrective hand out of love. Also in Isaiah chapter 28, As God is giving this indictment upon Judah, he gives an amazing promise about Jesus. This is Isaiah 28, verse 16. It says, therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. 
So even in God pronouncing judgment upon Judah is the promise of his son. Jesus is the cornerstone. And as we trust in Christ, we're saved, we're born again. As we think about these things and we are burdened for our country, we're burdened for America, I do want to share in the midst of this more heavy message that God is working. God is working in our country. God is working in our city. God's working in our our church. And right here at Rocky Mountain Calvary, we're seeing people come to know Christ as their Savior, and we're seeing people come, come back to the Lord. Really, ever since the pandemic hit and COVID hit in Colorado of March of 2020, we've been seeing people come come to the Lord. And a lot of those coming to the Lord are coming from backgrounds where they're not churched, where Christ wasn't on their heart and their mind, their life was broken, and they're like, man, I need to get to church. That's the work of God in their life. And there's this desperation for, for Jesus. Lots of believers that have been in a place of saying, man, Christ hasn't been the priority of my life and I am being stirred and so I'm coming back to the Lord and also coming back uh, to church. Just before this service, 10 minutes before this service, I had a guy come up to me and say, I wanna receive Christ my savior. Like I, I was like, no, you need to wait till the end of the service. That's how we do this. It's like, no, absolutely. I didn't share the gospel with him. He's like, God had been working on his heart, and he's like, I've never been saved. His exact words, I need to be saved. Like, that's, that's the work of the, the Holy Spirit. We've been seeing a lot of people come to know Christ online. More people coming to Christ online than we're even seeing uh, in person. I would have never thought that that that's a way that God would use Rocky Mountain Calvary, but people are out online searching for Jesus. And they're going to churches to hear the gospel and hear the truth of of who God is. We're so blessed that this week, we had over 500 kids learning about Jesus. Sometimes in the past, as we've done things as a church, it's been easy to take them for granted. Oh, we've always done VBS. I mean, VBS is so long that the name is so old, you you even have to explain it. Like, what is Vacation Bible School? Like, that came from the 40s, right? Oh, that's a week where kids learn about Jesus and and they come to the church. I mean, RMC's been doing VBS forever to the point where it's like, oh, here comes another VBS. It's it's so much work and, you know, are we gonna do this again as a church? But it wasn't like that this year. 200 people volunteered to come love these 500 kids. You guys were so excited about VBS, we had to tell you to stop bringing snacks. <laughs> I don't know that that's ever, ever happened. And the kids were so excited to be here and learn about Jesus. In all of this darkness and how the enemy is targeting kids, there was 500 kids here learning about Jesus, not transgenderism, right? God's good. <laughs> So in the midst of all of this, God is working. The silver lining is repentance. The silver lining is repentance. God's character is consistent throughout scripture and as individuals 
and people of God humble themselves and pray, God responds. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. God started spiritual movements through Nehemiah and Daniel, and they were individuals who were praying over the wickedness that they were experiencing in their land. In just a moment, we're gonna humble ourselves, and if you feel comfortable and you're able to, we're gonna get on our knees before the Lord. And we're gonna pray, and we're gonna pray for our country. And what I hope continues to, to happen is that we would be moved to pray consistently for our country. That this would be more than a, a 4th of July message, but as we see wickedness around us, that it stirs us to pray, and it stirs us to live for Jesus. Church, this is the time to live for Jesus. This is not the time to be complacent. This is not the time to be drifting away from the Lord, but to be pressing in to him. So if you don't know Christ as your savior, if you've never trusted Jesus for, for salvation, as we've talked a lot about sin, Jesus is the answer for our sin, and he died for you specifically. He rose again, and he wants to save you. And right when we're done with this service, we wanna give you an opportunity to trust Christ for salvation. We'll be available here in the front and let us know, I wanna trust Christ. If you have questions, let's dig into the word and look at those questions. But what you choose to do with Jesus, whether you accept him or reject him, determines whether you go to heaven or hell, and God wants you to go to heaven. He wants you to have everlasting life. You know, there's something that's even more important than our country. It's a lot more important than our country, and it's Jesus, and it's believing him in, as your savior. There will be a point in eternity where there will not be United States of America, where there will not be Russia, there will not be South Africa. There's gonna be individuals that God have created that are either in heaven or hell. And God wants you to know him as your savior. If you need to come back to the Lord this morning, come back to him. Now's the time to live for him. Online, if you'd like to trust Christ as your savior, we have a team that's ready to, to respond to you. Go and indicate that decision if you need to come back uh, to the Lord. These are difficult times and they are dark times, but I think they're exciting. And the reason is, is because God is working and God is moving. This is Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, and then we're going to go uh, to the Lord in prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So let's pray together. If you would join me on your knees. Father, we're humbled. We're seeing things in our country, in our culture, that we would never thought that we would see. God, my heart is broken for kids for young girls, young boys, growing up in this craziness, hearing things that don't honor you. They go to watch TV, watch a cartoon, and hearing your exact opposite plan for their lives. Would you forgive us? How did we get here? How did we get to this place or as a country, we don't want you. 
And here in our church, which is your church, a handful of believers gathered, we express to you, Father, we want you. We want you in our lives. Jesus, we want you to be our Lord. And we confess our wickedness to you. We confess where we've sinned, where our hearts have gotten hard. And Jesus, would you be gracious to our country? Would you be gracious to move? Would you be gracious to cause the gospel to go forth in power? Would you give us a power from your spirit to walk with you, to, to live for you? We, we do thank you for the godly leaders that we have and pray that you would raise up more godly leaders. Would there be godly leadership in the church, godly leadership in the home, and in the schools and in business and in the government? We pray for those government leaders that have taken clear stances against you. And God, you humbled Nebuchadnezzar. And would you reveal yourself to them and reveal the gospel to them? Would you burden us in a way that's lasting? Would there be prayer that comes forth that's continual? And Lord, may light go forth and may your love trump over the darkness. So God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.